passage that Maria read, Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 56. We're not going to look at all of it. Just going to look especially at um, Mary, what is called in that passage, uh, the Blessed Mary. Blessed are you, Mary. I want to begin by just asking a very, very simple question, and I think it's a question that um, parts explain why so much of the kind of messages we hear at Christmas don't really get the message of the gospel. And the question is, how do we know God? How do we find out God? And I think the trouble at Christmas is we often reduce God to our level. We make him to be a human creation. And to be honest, in many ways, something quite pathetic. It's how every single politician in their address is able to refer to Jesus positively because Jesus didn't you know it, was a socialist, he was a conservative, he was a liberal, he was a nationalist, or whatever. Um, Everyone kind of wants to uh, claim Jesus, and they kind of miss out the reason why he came. I want to give you a quote from a man called John Owen, and I think the words, I put the words up because he's never, uh, he's always a wee bit um, intense, but I just thought this was wonderful. I read this actually uh, this morning. We profess as we are taught that God is infinite, omnipotent, eternal. You wonder all these big words, but you know, God is all-powerful, he's all-knowing, he's not bounded by time. And we know what disputes and notions there are about omnipresence, immensity, infiniteness, and eternity. We have, I say, words and notions about these things, but as to the things themselves, what do we know? What do we comprehend of them? Can the mind of man do anything more but swallow itself up in an infinite abyss, which is as nothing? Give itself up to what it cannot conceive, much less express. Okay, that's a complicated... Right, you came to church, Christmas Eve, nice, chilled out, relaxed kid stuff, and you get a statement like that. Well, let's stick with this, because this is really, really important. What Owen is saying is something that, for me, is incredibly helpful. You and I, how do we know anything? We know it in relation to ourselves. So, just think of it this way. Uh, Some of you will know me in a particular relationship. Uh, At least one of you has the pleasure of my being your father. Um, Some of you will know in in different ways. I've I've met you once before, just a vague kind of... But everything that we know is perceived through ourselves. And so we relate to everything in terms of ourselves, and we understand everything in terms of ourselves. The problem is, when it comes to God, how can we relate to God? How can we perceive God? How can we see God? We have nothing within us that really has a comprehension of who God is. And what Owen says here is really, really important. We we can talk about God being eternal. We can talk about God being all-powerful. We can talk about God being infinite. But we can't comprehend that. We can't grasp that. Our mind, we can't know that. You know, we can know one another. You You could come to our house and have a meal and we'd get to know each other. But how can we possibly know God. And when we try and work out what it means, we use words, but what, what do those words mean? Eternity. How, do we, how can we even conceive of that? And so as Owen points out, our mind, when we try and understand these things, gets swallowed up in an infinite abyss. We can never grasp it. Later on, Owen goes on to say, we know God rather by what he does than by what he is, by his doing us good than by his essential goodness. In other words, We know God 
because of what God does for us and what God reveals to us. We cannot know him in and of ourselves. We can't work out God. We can't make a judgment about God. And that's where the story of uh, Christmas comes in. That's where the story of Jesus becoming the Son of God comes in. The, group, the, the shepherds were told they have great news, good news of great joy that is for all the people. And it's saying that we cannot by searching find out God, but he finds us. If you were here uh, last Sunday evening, and you can get it online otherwise, um, we looked at the virgin birth, and I'm not going to do a, a great deal about that today, but we do want to look at this incredible event of the incarnation and birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, and focus particularly on Mary. So let's go to uh, verse 43 of the chapter that we read, first of all. Mary, or rather verse 42, in a loud voice she exclaimed, Elizabeth says to Mary, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear, but why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Mary's blessed. Why is Mary blessed? Because she is the mother of God, the mother of of my Lord. It's incredible that Elizabeth knew that it was revealed to her by God. It's an extraordinary thing if you can try and picture this scene of a young girl visiting her cousin and her cousin saying, the baby you've got inside you is my Lord. It, it, it's just, it is just mind-blowing. Mary lived in an obscure town in Galilee. She was in a humble position. She was not the daughter of a king or of a rich person, but she was the one woman out of millions that God chose to bring light and life into this world. In chapter, go back in uh, chapter one to verse 31, you read this description of Jesus. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. The son of the most high, the one whose kingdom will never end. The kingdoms of this world come and go, but the kingdom of God goes on forever. We have our brother here from uh, Romania and I remember um, probably before you were born, Ceausescu saying, my kingdom will go on forever. No, it didn't. It went. It disappeared. And um, who knows, in a year's time, who knows whether May will be prime minister or Sturgeon will be first minister. Who knows what will happen with the EU? Who knows what will happen with Donald Trump, whether he'll still be in place? We don't know because the kingdoms of this world are so fragile. But the kingdom of Jesus Christ goes on forever. And she knew that. She was blessed she was blessed because of the way that she conceived. Verse uh, 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. We saw last Sunday evening that some question this whole idea of the virgin birth, that they argue it's some ancient myth just taken up by the early church. But this is God's word, it is the Bible. We believe what the Bible says. Luke himself who wrote this was not just a doctor, but he was a historian. If you go back right to the very beginning of the chapter that we've been reading, he says, I've carefully investigated everything 
from the beginning. It seemed good also to me to write this to. He didn't say, I heard this myth and then I wrote it down. He investigated it. He checked it out. There's the reliability of what Luke wrote as you read through his gospel. And many have tried and all have failed to show him guilty of falsehood or contradiction. And then there's just the sheer wonder of the Savior, Jesus Christ. John 1 verse 14, the Word was made flesh. He dwelt amongst us. Hebrews 10, 5, therefore when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifice an offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. Or in Hebrews 2, 2 verse 14, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. John prayed, and it is true, as he prayed, some of you will think, I thought Christmas was all about joy, and there's a guy standing up and praying, and he's praying about those who are sad. How can you be sad at Christmas? The only people who can say that are people who've not lived very much, because of course, many of us will be sad at Christmas because there'll be an empty place at the table because there are things that we remember. There are some people for whom Christmas is awful. They, it, it just reminds them of what they have lost. There's always, always joy and sorrow. It's like you're getting married, it's the happiest day of your life, but what if your mom and your dad or your grandpa or whatever is not there? Then it's happy, but it's also so sad, and that's the same with Christmas. And what we need to remember at Christmas is that the birth of Jesus wasn't to come so that he could tell us all that we could be really nice to one another, but it was to come so that he could defeat death, so that he could take on a human body, so that he could grow from an embryo into a baby, into a toddler, into a, a child, into a teenager, into a young man, and die and suffer for us. I'd forgotten about this, but yesterday I got a, uh, an email from somebody saying, oh, it's great to see that you're in the Daily Mail. And I thought, oh no, what have I done? <laughs> that was my first thought, why am I in the Daily Mail? And, uh, and then I saw what they'd written. Um, a couple of months ago, the Daily Mail contacted me and said, can you write an essay, a Saturday essay for us for Christmas? And I'd done it, and I'd forgotten that I'd given it to them, and it was published yesterday. But I tell you that because it was so interesting, the spec that they gave me. They said, we want you to do it because we are fed up of ministers and priests writing for us and telling us that Christmas is about being nice to people. Can you give us something Christian? Which is really quite remarkable. And I was, what? He said, well, something along the lines of why Scotland needs real Christianity. And then the guy said to me, he phoned me up and he said, do you know what happens, David? I think that people pick and choose the bits of Christianity they like. And he said, can you, not just, can you just write something that gives them the lot? I said, okay, <laughs> thank you. Um, how many words? 2,000 words. And they published every single one of them. Amazing, absolutely amazing. I just, but isn't it interesting that a secular newspaper was asking for that? And I actually, I did hear this. I heard a Christian minister say, when we do a Christmas service, we tone it down because it's an outreach service and we don't, want, we don't talk too much about Jesus. How do you have an outreach service that doesn't talk too much about Jesus? I, I, 
mind-boggling. Sometimes the people of this world are wiser than people who profess to be Christians, because this is the great news, that Jesus became flesh to defeat sin and to defeat death. It's the work of the Holy Spirit that Jesus was born like this. It's the work of the Holy Spirit that we are born again. He's involved in every aspect of our salvation. Now, when you read this, we, we're so familiar with this, we, we don't understand how shocking it is to actually read this from the perspective of Luke, even, and his Jewish readers. This would have been blasphemous. You give birth to the Most High. They would have, inc- I mean, Theophilus, who's mentioned at the beginning, most excellent Theophilus, I'm writing you this, he would have thought this was ridiculous and blasphemous. But that's why verse 37 is so important. For nothing is impossible with God. We often have questions and doubts. We often have fears because for a fallen person that's natural. Our faith is at best feeble. Our knowledge is limited. We do not believe because we know and understand everything. You know what I said at the beginning from Owen? It's not that you say, right, I'm, I, I've thought this all through and I've worked it all out and I understand and I grasp it. No. That would be the height of human arrogance. The best way to handle doubt is to have an absolute conviction of the almighty power of God. We go out, we look at the stars, and we remember that God created each one. I have the privilege of coming from a place called Port Mahomac which is just a great place up in Easter Ross. And ever since I was 10 years old, I would do this every Christmas, every New Year. Go out, and because there's very little light pollution, and the skies are very often clear, I just go out and stand on what's called the Morick Moor, or the Struy, or uh, the Nig Hills, or whatever, and uh, just go out and just look at the stars. And to me, to look at the stars is... Uh, it's mind-blowing. It's absolutely mind-blowing. The distance. And then to think that God created them, and then to think in the words of Job that these are but the outer fringe of his power. And for me, the good that that always does is it makes me feel that small. And that's wonderful. You have no idea how one, that the world doesn't consist of me, that the world is not about me, that the universe is not, that, that there is someone who is greater and who knows. And, and it's not just that he's the Lord of the stars, but he sent the baby infants. Why, if God created all of these things, should it be thought impossible that a baby should be, he, could, he should create a baby in that way? So Mary's blessed because she's the mother of God. She's blessed also because she believed what God said to her. Let's go to verse 45. Blessed is she... Um, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. I still find that one of the most amazing verses in the whole Bible because John the Baptist leaping for joy because he heard the voice of Mary is just a wonderful, wonderful thing. Those of you who have been pregnant and those of you who are pregnant, doubtless, 
you are aware that a child can hear. So the kind of music that you play to them when you're pregnant is quite important. You know, maybe Led Zeppelin and death metal probably is not going to help them. I don't know. Will Beethoven, what will that turn them into? Who knows? Galaxam singing, that, that will really make them very spiritual at a young age. Who knows? But they can hear. And here, John the Baptist hears Mary. And obviously, he's filled with the Spirit. Not, I don't think, there's no talk here of being conscious and being able to rationalize and put things through. But I just think it's, it, it is incredible. And she's blessed because she's believed that what the Lord has said to her be accomplished. Mary was greatly troubled. Verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this was. It wasn't your normal greeting. You know, someone at Christmas, happy Christmas, happy Christmas. And then you get this greeting with that, that you got. Um, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. What's this about? She was troubled. She was greatly troubled. She questioned. Verse 34, she asked, how can this be since I am a virgin? She was humble. Verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. But she believed and her belief cost her, cost her her reputation, cost her the many trials she would have to face. But she believed it. She went immediately to Elizabeth before she began to show she was pregnant. Who would have believed her then? What a tremendous emotional, spiritual, and psychological strain to be carrying the Son of God in your womb. Elizabeth strengthens that belief Elizabeth encourages her because she also had had a special revelation from God and an amazing confession, the mother of my Lord. How could she know that other than God had revealed it to her? She believed what God had said to her. There's a blessedness there. She's blessed because she's the mother of God. She's blessed because she believes what God has said. And I, I do want to say this to every single one of you. Um, you will not experience blessing unless you believe God. I read a lot of stuff, and I look at a lot of stuff, and I think about a lot of stuff, and more and more I just keep coming back to this. I believe what God says. I believe what God says. It's not unintelligent. It's not dumbed down. It's not stupid. In fact, it's the most rational, sane, and intelligent thing in the world to believe the one who does not lie. I believe what God said. It's why I'm not really all that bothered about all the different arguments that so many people have about well, did this happen or didn't it happen? And so I say, no, I believe what God said. And it's funny, when you believe what God says and acts upon it, you find out that it works out as true in your own life as well. We need to be those who share the blessing of those who believe, whose faith is strengthened. One Puritan put it this way, let us be willing to go anywhere, to do anything and be anything, as long as God's word is plain and the path of duty is plain. There are many complex and difficult things within the Word of God, but overall it's plain, it's straightforward, it's clear. And I hope and pray that in this church you will always be taught what God's Word says, and as you believe it, it transforms your life and brings you Christ. And then let's go on just finally to look at the blessedness because she's the mother of God, blessedness because she believed what God said, and the blessedness that she received when she praised God. Her Magnificat from verse 46 onwards. Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed.
I don't know if this still happens, but the Church of England used to have this Magnificat said at every evening service. This is a formal song. It's a liturgical song. How could such a peasant woman as Mary compose such a song? Well, God enabling her, but also because she probably went to Sunday school and learned all the scriptures on which this was based. Because this is from the Old Testament. This song, just different parts. This young woman had a good grasp and memory of scripture, especially the Psalms and Isaiah. She knew the promises of the Old Testament, especially the promise to Abraham. We need the word of Christ to dwell in us richly. When you've been a Christian for many, many years, you realize, well, wait a minute, how, how, how do I know this stuff? Um, I, there are people in this congregation who are older than me and who've been Christians for longer than me. And what is absolutely marvelous is they just know, they know the Bible, they know bits of the Bible. And, uh, and as you go on as a Christian, as you hear God's word, as you hear it being taught, you, you, you read it, you study it. It just becomes part of you. That's, by the way, why it's so important for younger Christians to talk with older Christians because by definition, if they've been a Christian longer and they've been reading God's word and remain faithful to the Lord, they know so much more experientially and through God's word. And yet here's this young woman, possibly just still a teenager, and she knew this. The great gift our kids will receive is that they are taught the word of God, and that will stand them in very, very good stead in years to come. She praises God because of that with great joy. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And, and the, the phrase that's used there is a kind of exultant, overwhelming joy. And she praises God because she's humble and she knows she is nothing compared with him. In, in this whole song, Apart from at the beginning, she doesn't go on about her being the mother of God. All generations will call me blessed. But after that, the emphasis is very much on what God has done and not on herself. She sees herself in context. She's poor, and yet God brings justice. It's a very important thing. There's so much injustice and wrong in this world, so much cruelty, so much abuse, so much violence. There are so many things. Um, Ewan Gurr, who's a friend of this congregation and runs the Trussell Trust, he's been doing a series of tweets over Christmas talking about the poverty that he he's, comes across and talking about some of the most horrendous cases. Not, he's not talking about people scrounging and all the rest of it. He's just talking about people who cannot afford basic meals. And one I think of... Um, a young woman who went without food in order to feed her children and how ill she had become. It's just wrong. It's just wrong. Just saw um, last night on the news. Remember Tiananmen Square? We're told there were a couple of hundred people died. Turns out there were 10,000 Chinese students died. Most of them bayoneted by the same Chinese government who we now acknowledge 
and are desperate to get money from. It's just wrong. It's just wicked. It's just evil. What's happened to the Rohingya in, in, in Burma, but also the Karen people who are Christian in Burma. It's just wrong. I mean, there's so many things that it's just wrong. And Mary comes as someone who is poor. She comes as someone who is part of an occupied country. She comes as someone in the midst of, there's always crisis, so much injustice. And she says that she is blessed because God has come to her and God's mercy. He brings down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. The renewal promised in the Magnificat involves the overturning of the principalities and powers and rulers of this world. She praises God because he knows that this is how he's acted in the past and how he acts in the present and how he will continue to act in the future. So she's so thankful. And that is a spirit of thankfulness that we should seek to have. Instead of waking up every day discouraged and depressed, we should wake up thankful for all that the Lord has given to us. It is, I'm sure some of you have had a traumatic Christmas as a child when you just did not get the present that you were expecting and your brother got the one that you were wanting. Some of us don't forget these traumas. Um, they, 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 they cut deep, they run deep. But, you know, sometimes you can be a wee bit, I used to, when you see when you're a very small child, it's great, isn't it, when you're tiny, it's the wrapping paper that you like the most when you're like one or two. Um, and then I, I was amazed one time, somebody was staying with us and didn't have a lot. What they were thrilled was, you have these stockings, I don't know if you still do the stocking thing, but you have the stockings, and at the bottom of each stocking, and they were actual stockings, was a tangerine, you know, and a, choc a Terry's chocolate orange. And it was that that they were most excited about, that they just absolutely loved. Well, I think some of us, we can think, well, we've got to be, sometimes people do this, they think, oh, I've got to get a bigger present than last year for somebody so that they can feel even more thankful. Well, I hope that as we go on, we realize that these material things, you know, my parents used to say, don't get us anything because we've got everything, kind of, and, and I kind of understand that now a whole lot more. These, these, these things are trivial. They are trivial in comparison with this gift that God has given that we should be thankful for. Do not be anxious about anything, says Paul, Philippians 4, 6, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. We are thankful for so many things, but above all, I think, for the greatest gift of all, Jesus Christ. Going back to what Owen said, how do we know God? I can't comprehend. I, this is all beyond me, and it's beyond the greatest mind the cleverest people, it's beyond them all. But God sent his son to reveal who he is to us. Let me finish with a different kind of blessedness. Blessed is, are you, Mary is told. And then Luke 11, Jesus says this, verse 27. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. What did Jesus say? He replied, Blessed, rather, are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Now, you think about how blessed Jesus is. Mary is, rather. Think about how blessed she was to receive all of this. And her son turns around and says, yeah, 
but a greater blessing are those who hear the Word of God and obey it. And that means that if you listen to what Jesus says, you hear God's Word, you respond to God's Word, you have a greater blessing than if you carried the Son of God in your womb. It really is that important and that precious because the Word of God communicates Christ to us, the Christ who came and who was born and who died. Blessed, rather, are those who hear the Word of God and obey it. Some will hear in one ear, out the other. Some will hear as soon as you go out the door, you're concerned about absolutely everything else. But some will hear, and as you lie in your bed tonight, you'll wonder, can this be true? And as you wake up on Christmas Day, you'll think, who am I that the Lord has come and given himself for me, the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me? That is the blessing of Christmas. That's the blessing of the Christian gospel. And here's the thing. You walk in off the street. You hear this for the first time. It's as much offered to you as if you've heard it for the past 50, 60 years. The offer is the same to absolutely everybody. I pray that you will receive Christ, that you will receive his word, that you will know the blessedness of those who hear and obey the word of God. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Bless it to us. Thank you that it speaks to us of Jesus. Thank you that if we had to work out all these things by ourselves, we know that our minds would not cope, that we would really struggle, that we would be swallowed up in an infinite abyss. We cannot conceive, we cannot express who you are and your love for us, but you have done so. You have sent us your son, Jesus Christ. And in that we baby, we see something that is beyond all magic and all wonder, something that carries the deepest and most profound meaning for each one of us. Help us in our discouragements and our concerns and our woes to look to Jesus. And those of us, O oh Lord, who don't know you, grant that we may come to know you and receive the greatest gift of all. And those of us who do, we confess how easy it is for us to wander away and to seek our blessedness in other things. Help us to seek them in you, for we ask it in your name. Amen.